Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it again with another new Friday episode. This week, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. Again, another overview like we did with Job, and we're going to probably split this into two uh, shows. So depending on time for this one, we'll um, keep it about 30 minutes or a little under. And then next week, we will do the overview of this book, and then we'll look at the book of Psalms, and then we're going to move on to Jonah. That is kind of the next uh, six or eight weeks that we have planned for this uh, for the Friday shows. On the Tuesday shows, we are working through the confessions of the Uggsberg, uh, and we are looking at commentaries on them. And so we are looking at uh, just a few of those closely, and we're going to hopefully walk us through the Lutheran understanding of justification, sanctification, um, new new ordinance, new obedience, uh, free will. We're going to look at a lot of that kind of thing in hopes that we can uh, start to uh, build out, if you would, uh, and articulate, if you would, the faith that the Lutherans carry. And again, this is a reflection of what was being taught in the mid-1500s by Luther and Melanchthon and, and others. Uh, and so this is the most authentic Lutheran doctrine you're going to get. And it does pay us well to understand uh, there is more complexity and depth to it. Uh, so I uh, would urge you to go back and listen to the kind of introductory shows. Uh, again, they're not uh, extensively deep-diving historical narratives where you know we capture every single waking moment of these lives, but they give us a good overview and help us to just start to put the building pieces together. Um, one book I would really recommend if you're kind of going down that venture uh, it would be by James Kettleston. It was Luther the Reformer. Uh, he does a great biography of his life, captures a lot of of the moments of Luther's life and walks you through uh, sequentially uh, to the end of his life. And so I had to read that for class. It was an absolutely profound book, and it's not dry. It does not get boring. It is one that keeps you kind of captivated to see how Luther's life is going to continue moving. So 
I urge you to read that. I mean, I've got plenty of books in my arsenal for uh, to help you if you decide to investigate a little bit more into the Lutheran faith and try to, even if you are a Reformed Baptist, Reformed Calvinist, uh, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever uh, you you call yourself, it always pays good to understand what the other side is uh, saying and teaching. And really, from the Lutheran perspective, what we'll discover is that there are uh, a lot more similarities and a lot more things that are in common with the Lutheran faith and uh, the Reformed faith. So there's a lot of connectivity there, and I think sometimes we kind of uh, try to brush it off because, you know, we, we see the stuff that's going on in Christian news around the ELCA, yada, yada, yada. So this isn't an episode around that, though. Uh, I can <laughs> I can talk and talk and talk. Um, we did get into a little bit of it uh, on a show that I was a guest on last night, Dead Man Walking Podcast. So go and check that out. That will be already live by the time you listen to this show. And I will, of course, have bragged about it um, being a guest on their show. It's a hot, pr- it's a privilege for me, so I'm very honored to be there. And I will make sure I post and share that all over social media. Uh, we had a great conversation, and uh, we we dug into uh, kind of just the 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 history itself behind the Lutheran faith, and uh, we we didn't get into you know some of the doctrinal differences that we may have. Uh, but I definitely hope he invites me back on the show to uh, dig into those things later. I think that would be wonderful. Maybe I'll even see about inviting them on to my show when we get to that aspect with the Reformed uh, and Lutheran perspective. So a lot of really cool things brewing in the Undying Light world, um, and I'm very excited for it. So we have uh, on our show, on our docket today, the Book of Proverbs. We're going to look at this um, a you know in an overview like I said earlier, as we did with Job, and try to uh, just kind of build some fundamental pieces to it. Uh, I encourage you to go read it. It's 31 chapters. Um, Most people do this on months that have 31 uh, days in it, and they will read a chapter a day. And I think that's really profound to, you know, task to take on, and they will kind of incorporate that into their reading plan. Um, But one thing we should also remember with Proverbs, it's a wisdom book. It's not a book of promise. And so uh, you won't actively get um, the, you know, everything that is being said in this book. You won't get that if you just live your life that way. Obedience and uh, adhering to a law won't reward one with righteousness or, you know, material blessings. So um, that is one thing to kind of keep in mind before we really dig into this book. Uh, I always urge people to really uh, see the five wisdom books. And that's one thing why I wanted to take these on, uh, is to just explore them and, and expound their riches. There is a lot of wonderful text here, and there is a lot of great things that come from it. Uh, but we must be, we must tread careful to say that this isn't a book of promise. And, uh, Proverbs is often one heavily used uh, in the uh, prosperity circles and the word of faith circles, and this book is often abused because it tries to um, push together an agenda that doesn't uh, always seem to fit with the overview and an understanding of uh, of the text. And so that is. Uh, Kind of the, the preliminary setup to the show. Um, obviously, we are always sponsored by Logos Bible Software, so you can go and grab a copy for free 
or you can go to undying uh, logos.com forward slash undying light and get yourself a copy uh an actual like uh platform if you would a, a package better word uh of software and you can get more books and you can get one that's kind of uh geared towards whatever denomination you're leaning lutheran reformed presbyterian charismatic reform uh roman catholic they have them all um they just basically are a repertoire of books a massive library and you can uh add your you know content to it over time and i think i'm at somewhere about 3400 books in my library i keep it on my phone i have it on my tablet i have it on my on my laptop and that way, whenever I'm teaching or I'm talking to people, I have Logos in my hand and I can actively move to it and help answer questions if I don't have the answer up front. So uh, I've got my study Bibles. I've got my notes. I've got my Book of Concord, which is an episode I'm going to record shortly. I've got all of my information on one screen. And so I don't have to sit here and toggle between windows or anything like that. Logos gives you everything uh, in this really and really beautiful panel form. So it's not just for pastors and theologians. It's great for all people across all platforms. I know many people who are just laymen in church and lay women in church, and they use it and they love it. So reach out to me if you have questions, and I'll talk to you a little bit more in depth. But logos.com forward slash Undying Light. And if you do subscribe to one of their packages with our promo code, you'll get some free books uh, uh, on top of all that. So plus the discount that you get. So uh, as well, you know, I, I don't know if I talked about it last week um but the my pillow promo you can always use undying light as a promo code for my pillow <clears throat> products and you can get uh, pillows clothes slippers bed sheets uh, and all hor- assortment of items and uh i would you know recommend you you investigate i'm actually wearing uh one of their uh pairs of pants now because uh, they're super comfortable and uh, they breathe really well, and I love it. And so they're they make great product, um, and very happy to be a part of that. So my pillow use promo code Undying Light and get up to sixty six percent off the products based upon the sales that they're running. So uh, those are the you know sponsors and commercials that we give you for the show. Uh, obviously, if you want uh, exclusive content or commercial free content, um, come join us on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, uh, or you can pay a whole year up front, and it's like ten dollars and some change, and that gives you twelve months of access to all of the things with Undying Light, and then it just renews for ten dollars or so every uh, once a year. So, uh, some really neat stuff in that bucket. Uh, I'm actually going to be recording a baptism episode part two for them this uh, today, and that will. Um, those won't air until once we're done with the Book of Concord. So they're going to get this uh, those episodes weeks in advance. And uh, they've enjoyed the part one that I've given them thus far. So that is the... Uh, that's kind of the preliminary rundown that I have so far on everything that is coming down your way. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the Book of Proverbs and uh, see what we have at hand today. So uh, the book of Proverbs um, can be uh, debated, if you want, in terms of time period that it was uh, written. There's multiple authors that are attributed to this. Uh, We have Solomon, Agar, uh, Lemuel, Lemuel's mother, and then an unnamed wise man. And so these are interesting uh, kind of range because it takes us from... um, 
that the 10th century BC uh, for most of the book, and then we have late 8th and early 7th for some parts. Uh, and we'll read uh, a little bit more about the authorship here in just a few moments. And uh, that will kind of help to f- put those pieces of this puzzle into place. You know, Proverbs wasn't written like the Song of Solomon was, where Solomon was the only author, and he's just kind of writing his love story. Uh, this book was written and compiled kind of similar to the Psalms. Psalms ranges uh, throughout a lot of Israel's time. It wasn't written just during David's time. So uh, there's even some Psalms uh, attributed to Moses even. So uh, we can, we'll can we dig into that when we get to the... Uh, um, book of Psalms here in a few weeks. Uh, places, uh, Jerusalem and Israel, pretty standard um, writing in the Old Testament. There are some books that obviously will take us out when uh, Israel is being captured and taken uh, as uh, prisoners of war, essentially. Uh, people, King of Solomon, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, and then we have King uh, Hezekiah, the court officials, Agar, Lemuel, and his mother, uh, and then a woman who fears the Lord. Uh, and then we get this kind of premise um, of wisdom that shows up in this book. And uh, we we talked a little bit about it, I think, in some previous episodes um, around this concept of wisdom. Uh, but we would attribute wisdom, obviously, in the book of Proverbs, it attributes it to be a woman, um, but this is more of an attribute given uh, in terms of the workings of wisdom and not necessarily a female persona, if you would. It's not you know, a female person that is being called wisdom. It is the attributes of wisdom acting in a feminine manner. And then those are often attributed to the uh, comfort, grace, and mercy of Christ as he is the the completion of wisdom and of mankind in the person of Christ. So uh, that'll be something we'll try and see if we can't dig into either today or uh, next week uh, as we dig th- into the book of Psalms. Uh, so let's uh, continue on. Uh, with all things, there's the law themes and gospel themes. We have um, the law, which shines gr- heavily in the Old Testament. Uh, we have, because foolishness is rebelling against God, fools condemn themselves to destruction. Uh, instruction curbs uh, the misdeeds of fools and guides the deeds of the wise. So this was one uh, that Solomon really hammers on hard in the book of Ecclesiastes. So I urge you to go back and listen to that portion of this series uh, because it is um, one that is uh, often overlooked uh, in this time period and and I think one that pays well for us to understand and and articulate in today's world because with all of that, you know, we see that there's always this black and white concept to Christianity. There's the Christians and the people who hold to a Christian worldview and then there's those who are uh, unwise those who are uh, reprobates, they're goats, they're those who have rejected the gospel, and they live in according to their own needs and their own selfish ambitions and desires. And so there's always this distinction to be played, and we we will see a lot of that in a lot of books in Scripture, uh, this kind of clear deciding line being drawn in the sand uh, between God's people and the people that have rejected him. 
So our gospel themes that will uh, show up in here in the text for us is uh, Christ, who is God's wisdom, will deliver us from self-destruction and brings forth righteousness. Again, this is the drawing towards Christ being wisdom, and all of wisdom is summed up in him. And this is one thing I've kind of really urged in my sermons in these last few weeks in my church is everything the Old Testament draws us to, every truth the Old Testament brings us to, it is pointing only and solely to Christ. It is all a storyline of Christ and his doings. And then obviously we get to the uh, incarnation of him in uh, the New Testament and then his life and ministry, death and resurrection. But the Old Testament is saturated with Christ and it is always pointing us to that truth. Um, so I like this little story introduction that it gives us here on reading Proverbs. It says, clicking bits of silver, shouting merchants and bleeding herds distract a young man as he passes through the streets of Jerusalem. He pauses to wander at the piles of goods on display, um, battered windily by shoppers and shopkeepers. At the corner, he catches a whiff of myrrh and cinnamon, from where a solitary woman caresses the doorframe of her house. She winks and smiles. From the city gate, the young man hears the voice of one calling. The Lord gives wisdom, and his mouth com- and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Above the clamor of Jerusalem's streets, King Solomon could see and reflect on the temptations of his subjects, temptations of which he himself succumbed. He is clearly the need... He saw clearly the need for instruction for wisdom that parents could pass on to their children and teachers could share with their students. The book of Proverbs is a result of Solomon's God-given wisdom, experience, and concerns. And that is drawing a conclusion to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. So we have the central theme. Proverbs uh, emphasizes the central theme of Israelite wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, chapter 1, verse 7. This thought appears throughout the book a number of times, chapter 1, 2, 8, 9, 10, 14, 15, 19, 22, and 31, especially in the portions contributed by Solomon. In the Proverbs that the man of Hezekiah collected, uh, this is chapters 25 through 29, the fear of the Lord is not the central theme. Instead, this portion of collection focuses on the contrast between the righteous of the wicked and preparing young men for service in the royal court. In Proverbs, wisdom is an attribute of God and his people. God alone can give wisdom. It is his great gift to his people. Wisdom is frequently portrayed as a woman, a dear mother, or beloved bride. This feminine imagery does not prevent Solomon from describing wisdom as God's master workman. Who is God the Son, begotten in eternity and working with the Father at creation? Uh, Noted in Proverbs 8, John 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 24, and verse 30, Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. Though wisdom and, and righteous stand together only in one proverb, 1031, the book equates wise people with the righteous, uh, chapter 9, verse 8 through 10, verse 10. Uh, as a result, these proverbs are always more than practical advice for proper morals. Uh, they illustrate the faith and life of one made righteous through faith in the Lord, the giver of wisdom. And there's actually a nice little three or four page uh, 
insert, if you would, in my study Bible here on uh, the, the biblical construct of wisdom. And it takes you through Job, Song of Solomon, poetry uh, with the Psalms and uh, that. So there's a nice little excerpt. We're not going to read into that, but definitely some cool uh, little tidbits. So I always urge my listeners, make sure you have a good study Bible. Uh, make sure you have good commentaries. And make sure you have good, sound theologians uh, who have written some good books to help build your fundamental hermeneutics. And so uh, I always urge, if you want a variety of um, study Bibles, get an ESV study Bible, a Reformation study Bible, and then get a Lutheran study Bible. And you can also get the MacArthur study Bible. And you'll see four different views to a very particular passage sometimes uh, because they are all taking it from a different angle, a different hermeneutic and a different reproach. Um, and so I, I urge people to have that variety in their life and, and more so uh, not because I want you to n- not be sound in your doctrinal position, but what I want you to do is and encourage my listeners to um, see that there's more than one avenue of thought being applied to a particular text. And so like in my library, I have an ESV study Bible, the Reformation, I have the MacArthur, I have the Lutheran study Bible. Uh, I have other basic study Bibles like up on my shelf. I have the Wisbury study Bible. I have an ancient uh, study Bible. I think it's like, it's got all the, it's got some ancient church fathers in their notes. Um, I've got an A.W. Tozer study Bible uh, and I've got the Charles Spurgeon study Bible. So those are wonderful tools to have in your arsenal because it allows you to just, again, see a different perspective of the text. And so I always urge you, get yourself a good study Bible, get yourself some good commentaries, and uh, and, and dig into um, the work, all of which you can do on Logos, which is where I keep a majority of my stuff. I still love paperback books and hardcover books, obviously. Uh, I love the feel and of reading an actual book. It takes me away from technology. I don't have to deal with my phone. I love it. But... Uh, when I'm doing studies and I'm doing my sermon preps and I'm doing the podcast, Logos is instrumental and vital to the success of my ministry. So uh, you can do, you can add all those books and and more, thousands more, into your Logos library. Uh, so here's what Luther says on Proverbs. He says, Proverbs may properly be called the book of good works, for in it Solomon teaches how to lead a good life before God and the world. He pays special attention to the young people. In fatherly fashion, he instructs them in God's commandments with reassuring promises of how well things will be with the righteous and threats as to how the wicked will have to be punished. For young people are themselves inclined to all evil. Because of their inexperience, they do not understand the, the vials and wickedness of the world and the devil. They are too—they are far too weak to understand bad examples and the causes of, of offense. Neither are they able to govern themselves if they are not instructed. They are ruined and lost even before they get their bearings. Therefore, young people need and must have teachers and rulers who will exhort, warn, rebuke, and chastise them who will hold them constantly to the fear of God and to his commandments in order to ward off the devil, the world, and the flesh. This then is what Solomon does abundantly with all diligence in this book. He puts teaching into Proverbs so that it can be grasped and more easily and kept and more and kept more readily. Anyone who uh, intends to become righteous might well take this handbook or prayer book for daily use, read it often, and ponder it in his own life. 
For a man must go one of two ways. Either he must let his father chastise him, or he must let the executioner punish him. As they say, you may escape me, but you will not escape the hangman. And it would be good to impress this constantly on the young people so that they might know without any doubt that they must suffer either their father's rod or the executioner's sword, just as in this book Solomon is constantly threatening the disobedient with death. There is no other way out, for God leaves nothing unpunished. We see in our own experience a disobedient Nav's Paris, uh, perish in strange ways. They finally come under the executioner's hands, just as they thought, or just as they least expect it, and feel most secure. Public testimony and signs of all of this are the gallows, wheels, and places of execution at the gates of all cities. Though this temporal government, God can put them there to terrify all those who will not obey their elders and let themselves be instructed by God's word. Therefore, this in this book. Solomon calls all those who despise God's word fools, and all of those who depart themselves according to God's commandments wise, deport themselves according to God's commandments wise. This does not apply solely to young people, though it is primarily they whom he is undertaken to teach, but to people of all stations from the highest to the very lowest. For just as the youth has its own particular offenses against God's commandments, so every other group has its vices as well. And these are worse than the vices of the youth. As they say, the older they are, the worse they get. And again, age is no cure for folly. Even if there was nothing evil in the other and higher stations, no greed, pride, hatred, or envy, nevertheless, this one vice would be bad enough, namely, that they try to be shrewd and and smart when they ought not to be. Everybody is inclined to do something else than what it is committed to him, and to leave undone what is committed to him. For example, whoever is in the spiritual office tries to be wise and active in worldly office, and there is no end of wisdom in his regard. In turn, whoever is in the worldly office has a head too small to hold all superficial knowledge about the conduct of of the spiritual office. Of such fools, all lands, all cities, and all homes are full, and in this book, they are diligently rebuked. Everyone is exhorted to care for his own affairs and to do them truthfully, faithfully, and diligently, that which is committed to him. There is indeed no virtue beyond that of obedience. According to uh, that which is given to him, some people uh, are called wise and disobedient called fools. And even they do not want to be or, called to, be, or to be called disobedient men or fools. So this is taken again from Luther's um, commentary on the book of uh, Proverbs. He has basically, for each book in the Bible, he's got kind of a nice little introduction and kind of overview that you can read through in his writings. And then you've got all of his extensive commentary as he expounds on uh, the particular book that he's writing. So we've got a couple different types of Proverbs, so we're going to work through that. We're going to look at some challenges. and blessings, and that will conclude today's episode. So let's continue on. Uh, types of Proverbs, though the first part of Proverbs is carefully crafted speech delivered by a father to a son, chapters one through nine. Much of Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. These sayings come in different forms, and there are uh, here are just a few common examples. 
Complete sentences. Some proverbs state things in a straightforward way. For example, whoever trusts in his riches will fail, uh, or I'm sorry, who will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Chapter 11, verse 28. The grammar is complete and the meaning is clear. Juxtaposition. Many proverbs simply place two things or persons alongside each other without any verb. Here is a literal translation of one example. A gold ring is in a man is in a pig's snout. A beautiful woman without discretion. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-two. Translators supply words such as "is" and "like" to render the passage clearly for us. Other verses include words uh, such as "like" or "but," so the reader can easily determine that they present a comparison or contrast. Such judapositions uh, are very difficult to interpret and require great reflection. Juxtapositions. That's an interesting word. Uh, better and wise, or better or worse sayings. This is a special form of comparison, which parts compare benefits and deterrents from uh, something or someone. For example, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice, chapter 16, verse 8. And then numerical sayings. Some sayings give lists of examples, chapter 30, verse 24 through 28. Others grade the list by adding a final example as supreme, 29 through 31 in chapter 30. This is common device in Israelite literature. This takes us all the way back to, um, or this would take us then to chapter 30 as we, if we were to read through these um, one by one. Uh, so we got some challenges. Um, in terms of this book, uh, certain features of Proverbs have confused readers. Likewise, critics have challenged various features of this book. Uh, there's the moralistic instruction. Proverbs does not uh, frequently describe God's gift of righteousness or his mercy. As a result, some Proverbs are legalistic uh, or human-centered. However, careful reading of the book demonstrates that a person's success in life stems from God's mercy alone. Proverbs emphasizes God's wisdom, God's wisdom's ability to curb violent outbursts of sin. Theologians call this the first use of the law. In what a wise person should or should not do to please the Lord of all ways, all are uh, of all ways our eyes are before the eyes of the Lord, chapter 5, verse 21. The ability to fear and love God in these ways come from him who gives wisdom, chapter 1, verse 7 and 2, 6. Application: A common struggle uh, readers experience with Proverbs is the common is the outcome Proverbs describes may not always be fulfilled. For example, parents have remarked regarding twenty uh, chapter twenty two verse six: "I've trained my child to do what is right, but they do not, but they no longer come to church or listen to reason." Where did I go wrong? Readers should note that Proverbs often gives observations of life with common outcomes for the behavior. Generally speaking, children raised well will live well. This is a sound observation. However, there are exceptions. Otherwise, some admonitions in Proverbs may not also apply, which emphasizes the child's responsibility to listen, found in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Proverbs can give specific commandments or prohibitions, which the reader is simply expected to accept. However, most Proverbs include the observation about life and a conclusion for the reader to ponder and act on. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show here, authorship is another one. Some critics regard uh, attribution of authorship to Solomon as only honorary. 
They have proposed late dates for the writings of Proverbs after Israel returned from exile. However, according to the book itself, several authors wrote and compiled Proverbs from the 10th century to about the 7th century B.C. Studies of vocabulary, thought, and expression in these sections attributed to Solomon show great unity. Also, sections attributed to other authors are distinct in their features. The wise, uh, which is given to uh, the wise, the wise man, chapter 22 and 24, Agar, chapter 30, Lemuel, 31, and the unknown author, 31, verses 10 through 31. These findings bear out that the book itself states about authorship. The dates and authorships proposed by critics stem from their mistrust of biblical history rather than the book's content. Because of the text addresses Solomon's son like Rehoboam, the earliest date Solomon could have written this portion is circa 971 B.C. Uh, the latest Solomon uh, could have written is 931 B.C., when his reign ended. These dates provide biblical boundaries of Solomon's work. And then we have the reign of Hezekiah from 715 to 686 B.C. provides a second important boundary for the book's composition. Uh, another challenge is elitism. Others have criticized Proverbs as reflecting a worldview of values of the intellectually elite in Israel rather than the typical Israelite. For example, chapters 29 or 25 through 29 are clearly associated with the concerns of King Hezekiah's court. However, much of the wisdom in the book happens at street level, where the Israelites interacted with one another in the market and or in the home. Though Proverbs j clearly gives counsel on how to ascend in society, it emphasizes the blessings and wisdom of goodness for all people. Uh, supposed remnants of goddess worship, Solomon frequently describes wisdom as a dear mother or bride. He does so throughout the book. Uh, this would be uh, this would not be interpreted that to mean Lady Wisdom in quotes in Proverbs is a remnant of a goddess or consort uh, for Yahweh, similar to the goddess associated with the god of Baal in the Canaanite culture. There's a better explanation. Like most languages, Hebrew categorizes nouns as feminine or masculine. English does not do this. The Hebrew word for wisdom, uh, I'm going to butcher this, so bear with me, uh, Hokmah is grammatically feminine. The characterizing wisdom as a woman, Solomon uses this grammar for a play on words, which is simply a feature of Solomon's writing. But he also breaks away from the feminine uh, imagery. For example, in chapter 8, 22 through 31, he writes first person addresses of wisdom as the Lord's master workman. Uh, organization is the last challenge we have for people providing proverbs in English. The book may seem disorganized. The connection between various sayings, where the same or similar Hebrew words unite a collection of sayings, are not always clear. The outline below uh, and the study notes will highlight thematical connections of proverbs. And so we'll dig into some of that uh, in next week's show as we kind of work through the outline and we'll touch base on some aspects of the book. Uh, but there is always a blessing uh, that we should always give for this book, uh, for readers of any book in the Bible. As you read Proverbs, bear in mind that the central theme of the book is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Proverbs promises that you will not face a life alone or without good counsel. When you face the practical dilemmas of life, the Lord is with you to establish your steps. Call on his name and wisdom will answer. You are in Christ Jesus, and you have become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification for his, 
for and redemption. Uh, so that is uh, going to wrap this uh, opening episode on Proverbs. I hope you guys enjoyed the content that we worked through. Uh, we will be back Tuesday with another episode in uh, the Lutheran theology series as we're going to look at some commentaries uh, on the Augsburg Confession. And then, uh, and if, like I said, in a few weeks, we'll release the baptismal episodes. Mostly, I, I say baptism, but they're going to be sacramental episodes. We're going to touch base on all the sacraments and dig deep into that. Um, so we're going to look at a whole series. I, I, I'm probably guessing there's going to be four to six or eight episodes in that. I don't know a timeline yet because I, I started last week recording and I was like, I'm going to get through these two major aspects and I only got through one within my 30 minute window. And so this week we're going to pick up the second piece to that and carry on and see where we end up. So uh, we're going to look at those articles of the Augsburg Confession. When we visit that, we're going to look at the, uh, the apology uh, as well. We're going to look at uh, Luther's large and small catechism on those readings. Uh, as we dig into the sacraments. So that'll be a whole series dedicated to the Lutheran perspective of sacraments. Uh, that'll come up after we conclude the Book of Concord. So a lot of really cool stuff coming your way. I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, until Tuesday, have a great week. God bless. We will see everybody later. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.